Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. In fact, this week we are one year old, but rather than celebrate with a big party, mainly due to the fact that we haven't got any money to do that, we've given Dan Killick the week off, so he's off sunning himself in uh, in Crete with the family. Although when I did speak to him, it didn't sound as though it was particularly sunny whatsoever. Coming up in this show, we will be looking at all four of the regions as usual, Uh, But in Dan's absence, I've got a few guests along to help me do just that. A few kind of long-time pals of the podcast have stepped in to fill Dan Killick's size 6 shoes. Now, the big story this week has really been this concussion-slash-ban-tackling story that has reared its head for the second time in as many years. And to be perfectly honest, I think there's just been enough chat of that whatsoever. So don't really want to give any more credence to this news story. And I think as anyone who played rugby at school or has played at an amateur level, we all know what the benefits of the game are. And to be perfectly honest, it feels like all of these studies aren't particularly well grounded and there just doesn't seem to be any kind of real realistic logic behind it. You know, imagine banning tackling within schools only to then release players into playing professional rugby when they hit 16, 17. It just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So as much as as much as much it's dominated the news this, this week, that's about as much as we're going to cover it for. So don't expect any more discussion on that during the podcast. What seems to be a far bigger danger to Welsh rugby players at any rate is uh, safari parks. So in case you haven't seen this story, Scott Baldwin, Wales and Ospreys hooker, uh, managed to get his hand bitten by a lion and uh, missed the the game against the Cheetahs in the process. Really hard to know what was going through his head when he stuck his hand into a lion's enclosure and patted the lion on the head. But one thing's for sure, he didn't end up uh, he didn't end up in a in a good place. But it could have been a, an awful lot worse. Seems like this kind of luck can only really happen to the Ospreys. You know, things seem to go from from bad to worse. And it certainly didn't impress Steve Tandy, who was suitably blunt during the press conference after the game. Fortunately, Baldwin's okay, but is is going to miss a few weeks. Um, but yeah, really is uh, really is the kind of bizarre story that you could only expect with Welsh rugby. Podcast is split into two this week. Part one sees me chat to journalist, longtime friend of the pod, and hopeless rugby romantic Yestin George. Now, we covered the West Wales regions, starting with the stumbling Ospreys, reviewing the sparkling Scarlets also, and finishing by previewing the derby between those two sides this Saturday at the Liberty. Now, I caught up with him earlier, and here's what he had to say. Seems only right that uh, when we're looking to cover West Walian rugby, uh, I should call a man who lives in Hove. So, with that in mind, good to chat to you, Esther. How are you? 
I'm very well, thank you, Jed. And uh, obviously, uh, said that said that line in jest. Uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to all things West Wales rugby. And uh, I suppose we'd better start with the, the more depressing side, which is the Ospreys on Friday night. Kind of a performance that saw them blown away in the first 15 minutes, really. Um, what did you make of the overall performance? I I was really surprised that they managed to claw back um, some in the first half when they, they they went 15 points down and they they managed to sort of claw themselves back into the game uh, at that uh, you know um, before half time I was I, I thought they were just going to be dead and buried by then yeah um, and then through one thing and another they 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 didn't they didn't. They didn't look sharp at all in the second half. Um, it really kind of more stereotypically characteristic, really, of, of recent Ospreys displays. I think, you know, I've been spending Friday nights uh, just thinking, you know, right from the very start of the season with that terrible blues game, thinking, mm. why, what, what am I doing doing this every Friday? Because it's it's like um, some sort of punishment for the week, <laughs> uh, watching you know Welsh regional rugby, and obviously there's one team that it is uh, is a pleasure to watch, and there's another team you kind of uh, that you think go on, you know, make a mark for yourselves, dragons, uh, and you know, being obviously from the other side of the Lacher estuary, watching the Ospreys is just is just. Um, it's just agony. Uh, it seems. Um, it just seems like they're struggling, particularly behind the scrum, and it, it seems they're utterly directionless in terms of pattern of play. They keep on talking about a new system that they're trying to incorporate, but it, it, as far as I can see, it just feels like an, a really average bunch of players performing below par. <laughs> well, it does. It does seem like that, and that's certainly the impression you get. But you look at that, particularly behind the scrum, you look at those names on paper and they're not average, are they? You know, we know what Reese Webb's capable of. We know what a class act Dan Bigger is. You know, James Hook has looked really poor, you know, but one one or two moments of, uh, of kind of individual genius aside. But since coming back, he's really not, not looked particularly good. But again, we know what a class act he is. Dan Evans is a proven regional performer and Keelan Giles, one of the more hot properties in, in Welsh rugby, why is it that they just do not seem to be clicking? Because you're right, they look like an average, like average players at the moment. Yeah, it's um, it's remarkable. I mean, I feel I feel genuinely sorry for Keelan Giles. There was one kick chase in the first half yeah. that I just I couldn't help but vent my spleen on Twitter. You know, oh. thinking this is ridiculous. Keelan Giles easily got to the to the man and. He sort of made a half attempt at a tackle, and then I think there was an offload, and there wasn't another Ospreys player within 20 metres, maybe more. You just think, what, what's going on then? Yeah, it just seems, I, I, it's beyond. I mean, I, I've never been a, a fan of Tandy. I've never been. I never really thought there was any sort of progress, um, and. Now it just seems like any residual uh, kind of creativity from previous that was just hanging around from previous coaches is gone, and what we're what we have now is a, a a you know a bunch of players who are kind of flatlining in a way, and uh, it just feels very very second rate. We mentioned the coach in there, and you've also mentioned uh, the dreaded social media. But it does feel as though the common consensus amongst Ospreys fans taking Twitter as a gauge is that there needs to be a change in coaching and things for in order for things to to move forward. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I do. Yeah, I, I would have said that last year I'd I'd had I'd had a, a bellyful, really, to be honest, and. Um, I don't think it's anything remotely like, oh, here we go, the, you know, Ospreys bemoaning the fact they don't have a, a an unlimited sort of uh, bank account to be able to spend. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the way they play. 
it's to do with a lack of ambition it's to do with it's to do with as you said not making the most of players of huge talent you know it's it's uh, it's it's criminal that Sam Davis can be <laughs> allowed you know if that seems to have lost his way it, it, you have to blame that on Ospreys to a, to a certain extent it, it cannot he can't be he cannot be look being looked after properly. Keelan Giles is a, a, an incredibly exciting player, but he, you know, he's he, he wouldn't be able to to stand more than another season of this mm. before. Not not about him and his satisfaction, but actually, he would be a, he'd be a worse off player for it. I mean, I'm all for. Um, getting 50-0 beatings. I've coached second team rugby nearly all my, whenever I've coached, you know, kids and youth rugby, it's always been the B team. So I know what the mentality is, you know, what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And a lot of those players then end up being really great contributors to a club, you know, when they get older. But that's one thing. But there's something else about just almost kind of just shrugging your shoulders through two or three years of, of poor rugby and, um, and, and just kind of carrying on regardless. And it does, the, the parallels between this Osprey side and the Wales Osprey, uh, sorry, the Wales national side that we saw under Rob Howley during the Six Nations look massive to me. They just look like a set of players that aren't used to playing with any great ambition behind the scrum, you know, and, it, and again, even Sam Davis is one of the more creative players in the games he's played this season. He's looked really poor because he stood so deep. He stood so mm. deep and it, it just feels very, very strange. And uh, there looks to be kind of no balance within that. And like you say, well, they're trying to play a new system. Again, that's exactly the kind of thing we were used to hear, hearing from Howley that, uh, oh yeah, the players are getting used to playing this, this new um, this new style of rugby, and it never clicked. You know, it never clicked during that campaign, and it doesn't look as though it's going to click anytime soon for the Ospreys. And it's not just it's not either a, just a, a pang of jealousy uh, about our friends in red across the estuary either. It's it, we need to just find some young, exciting coaches who are prepared to just start again. And I think it is start again, let's start all over again time, not let's limp ahead and then try and get somebody who's got no emotional investment in the region or the, or the, or the players. You know, yeah. you don't want to just draft in somebody who's, who's going to just take a wage and, and do that, obviously do a good job, but you need, it's just it, the, the clubs that feed the region are all have all declined in the, in the, over the last decades. There are some serious things wrong from my <laughs> distant position in Hove. Uh, it, it just looks really odd. It looks as if, you know, the life is being sucked out of the region from the top down. I, I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but it, that's what it looks like from, from, uh, from here anyway. Just to keep it on the, on the coaching bit for a moment, though, I suppose the, it's easy to kind of look at it and, and take the, the football response and, and pull the trigger. But there does need to be someone lined up. You know, is there an obvious replacement if Steve Tandy were to go? No. <laughs> Nobody I can think of. It's the, it seems to be the, you know, you, you don't really want to say, you know, that, you know, welcome back, Lynn, or... Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Nigel, we want you to do a job on your son. Or, yeah. it, I think it, I think it's, it's, we've got to find, you know, it's got to be, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's, it would be wrong to mess about with, you know, a, a, a role that Mark Taylor's performing perfectly well for Scarlet's, you know. But I think we do have to look at, at, at a at something quite different and something quite um you know unusual and younger i think i can't i, I just can't think of any do you, can you could, does anybody leap to your mind straight away do you know what it doesn't and it, i think the thing is there's obviously a, a much more immediate job search going on down in the capital 
with Danny Wilson, um, you know, Danny Wilson announcement this week that he's not going to carry mm. on. And you hear a lot of the, the names linked there. And there's a lot of chat about looking at a Matthew Reese style figure or a Gethin Jenkins or someone who have got a huge amount of gravitas as players and have achieved huge amounts on the pitch and are great leaders, but would would be their kind of first crack at coaching. And you kind of you kind of look at that and go, well, it can go one one of two ways. Like, you know, like how it worked for Di Young, which was, you know, they were patient with him and he's probably, you know, probably shown the, um, you know, he repaid that during his during his time there. And it was, you know, the, probably the the best coach that they've had as a um, in the history of regional rugby, in, you know, in, in the capital. And then you look at kind of how Steve Tandy's gone, because, again, that was essentially a similar scenario. Someone who was a player that had, um, you know, had played huge amount of time for uh, for the Ospreys and you know again hadn't done that level of experience and this was kind of his step up so it is really really difficult and the, again the other suggestions for the for the Cardiff job which is and I keep coming back to it it's that that kind of parallel the other suggestions are oh well, what about you know what about Stephen Jones it's looking at the Scarlets and going well they're playing well who can we pinch from that setup and you know I, I I'm not sure. Don't mess about with that setup. And, yeah, and, and I don't think you know. that I don't think Stephen Jones is going to look at it and say that his, you know, that his um, his stock would rise by taking over Cardiff Blues with a limited budget. You know, I think I, if I were him, I'd be staying. I'd rather be number two at the Scarlets, who are playing really well and seem to be recruiting exceptionally well and developing all this talent and playing in a really exciting brand of rugby, than you know take on that that massive job. At Cardiff, where you're going to be struggling with um, with playing budgets, and just look at the Ospreys and go, it, it seems like an all too similar position. Yeah, I agree. And you'd be waiting for, you know, uh, the, the dream the the dream scenario is that Pivac Jones and Taylor and anybody else, Mark Jones, who anybody who wants it, <laughs> they can go straight into the Welsh setup, and we'll uh, and then we just win every. Triple crown by scoring six tries and every grand slam by scoring. And then we go and beat New Zealand and everything else. And and then we're happy, Jed, you and me, for once. For once, yes, indeed. That's what's going to happen. It will happen. No, but it is. It's it's a remarkable, it's the the exact opposite of um, premiership manager search isn't it where you've yeah. got a hundred people out of jobs I mean obviously there are the Phil Davises as well and there are various other coaches but but it's yeah it's um you know Sean Holly's not going to walk back into the building is he you know is that we I don't know what it is but it maybe it is just a case of finding finding a young dynamic uh coach from England or from Scotland mm. or from Ireland um, you know, or, or further afield. But I think that that, I'm not saying that they they have to be, you know, cut me and I bleed Australia or whatever that nonsense that they used to talk about. You know, I, I'm not a big believer in that notion anyway. Um, but I think that it would have to be somebody that was prepared to kind of give it their all and do what, Bernard Jackman seems to be doing very successfully, albeit, you know, in a very short term. But, you know, everything he says seems to uh, resonate with credibility in terms of the way that he deals with the public and the press Um, and in terms of the way he's approaching the idea of Dragons as regional rugby, you know. Um, And I don't think that's been the case with Ospreys for a very long time. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's that's the concern. Yeah, there's a couple of concerns you've you mentioned there. If the if the feeder clubs aren't producing the the quality into the regions, and then you haven't got you've got a reciprocal problem with the coaching as well. You know, we're not looking at their CNI as lots of you know young Welsh coaches we can go out there and put straight into that job. Then it does paint a bit of a a bit of a gloomy picture. It does, and you know, it's not it, 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 if you were. If you're an ambitious under-18s or under-20s player, you wouldn't really be thinking too hard about... Uh, personally, you'd, you'd rather be playing 15 minutes in the, you know, for the Dragons than you would do you know, benching for the Ospreys for the rest of the season. You know, uh, that's what it feels like anyway from here. 
Yeah, well, let's um, let's kind of move on and have a look at the have a look at the the scarlets now. We'll bring the the two um regions together at the end of this chat when we have a uh, a little look ahead to um to the derby game next week. Um, but if the Ospreys game was was pretty woeful to watch, um, there was certainly no lack of excitement in the scarlets game, and you couldn't accuse either side there of of not playing. Uh, how much did you enjoy that game by comparison? Well, it followed up the Ulster game brilliantly. You know, it's just the watching players really going for it <laughs> at every given opportunity from their own lines. It was it's fantastic, and uh, you know that they people might think, oh, Scarlets don't look quite as dominant, and other teams have been to Connor away and won this season, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think that they that you know they they did. They played a full part in the, you know, in making a very, very entertaining game, and as always, showed some just f- fantastic sort of sleight of hand. Is every every time there's always a blindside run, mm. and three players would just go bang, 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 and you go, wow, they did that, and you always just, wow, fantastic, and, you know, Jonathan Davis looked imperious and dynamic and fast and uh, always a threat on the outside I thought and I thought there were some fantastic individual performances and you know they, they might not it might they're not going to roll teams over every single game so I ju- you just have to you, you have to expect you know s- certain games not to pan out just as and I, it's better that they're not one-sided because the Ulster game was phenomenal it was yeah and um i suppose the the flip side to that um and i got a fairly uh, i got a fairly strong idea of what you might say in result to this but are they overplaying it at times no i, I don't care <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, a they're over there anyway. They, you know, and they are teaching everybody else how to play rugby, and uh, they're winning. And yes, a little bit. There are times when you just wish they'd slide the ball, uh, particularly cross field. You know, Patchell's obviously got this bee in his bonnet at the moment about he didn't do it so much um, this weekend of of the chip to the winger yeah. but I think you know he, he needs to master the art of putting it over the opposition winger's head and into the corner a little bit which is not not easy not as easy as it sounds but he's perfectly capable of doing that um, and I think that there are yes there are times when it when it just goes a bit bonkers but I it's also just so so that's what that's why we that's why people go and pay money it would be heartening if there were more people going to pay money to see one of the best Welsh, well, um, I claim the best Welsh regional side of all time. And uh, that's that, that's another issue. It is. I'm going, to pick, I'm going to pick on the positive bit of that statement, though. You say that uh, Scarlet's are, the, you know, in your opinion, the best regional rugby uh, side that there's been. And, you know, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that in terms of excitement. But is it, are, we, are we saying that a little bit, a little bit too early, you know, kind of prior to going into going into Heineken Cup season? You know, will that kind of be the real benchmark for just how good, for just how good this side is? Yeah, that's a really good point. Definitely, yeah. Um, but, but there was always an inevitability about those Ospreys teams that they were going to fall at the final hurdle mm. because they just didn't quite have it for one reason or another, and also they had. Obviously, you love the fact that not everybody loves the fact that those players are have come from you know Newcastle, Emlyn, and places like that, and yeah. they they're not they're not you know they haven't just been drafted in, and even you know obviously Tagburn is, is a phenomenal <laughs> find beyond beyond every Irishman's <laughs> understanding. I'm just I'm uh, just in awe every time I watch him play now because he he but, turns he turns over like a like a five foot nine seven, you know, like a really short, stocky, hard to knock off the ball. Yeah. But he's he's the size and the power of a second row. His ball skills are, are really good as well. You know, yeah. I, I just can't I can't see his, him staying because he's too good a player to not play international rugby. His awareness of um, 
his awareness of when he can go as well. He's so dangerous. Three, uh, not yeah, the the the, op- the absolute opposite of most um, of what Jake Paul did. Butchered yeah. a try scoring chance by going, I got it, I got. Oh no, um, you know uh, he he knows his 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 vision and his peripheral almost kind of knowledge of how other people's bodies are rolling and which direction it's so that he can just spin them and, and, and score almost, you know, he, he's phenomenal on top of everything else. I, all right. Prone to overstatement. Do you think he might get into the New Zealand uh, squad? If he was, if he was just, just, just on current form, forget about, you know, in and out for six, for two years. But do you think he's he if he if if he suddenly turned up in um, wearing a black shirt that you'd go, oh, who's, who's that guy? Um, you know, that's a man again, a big uh, big claim. I <laughs> I don't think he would walk straight into the New Zealand side. I'm only I don't think he'd walk because... into side, but that's why I was careful. I said squad. Yeah. All right, I, I, even he... squad, just because I think that. Um, well, we watch him week in, week out, and he is absolutely incredible. The the kind of the, New Zealand is just full of players of yeah. that kind of caliber. That's yeah. the that's the thing. But is he? It, I think he would get into any other international starting side. I honestly do. He's he's easily good enough to play for Ireland. So I mean, it's it's yeah. it's massive that they're saying they're holding firm with the um, with their policy. You know, he would he would get into Wales' side. He, you know, England, I suppose, is is maybe slightly different because they again they have got a lot of strength and depth in yeah. um in that position. But you know, I think he'd get into Australia, probably get into a South African side as well. You know, he's he is he's just some player, and what a find for someone who'd been kind of cast away by Leinster. It's um. Yeah, it's, yeah, and but again, that's the thing. I, I know I mention this every week on the podcast, but that is something that Scarlets have done so well. Is you you mentioned there the players that that they've found within the region who are just who they've identified the potential and coached them into into becoming really good regional players. They've also recruited really wisely. It's not been a question of oh, we need a massive checkbook to do that. They've signed players that they've seen the potential in. You know. Again, obviously, McNichol was a was a, a talented player, and we knew he had bags of potential. But he's been integral to the way they play. Well, I, yeah, I, I genuinely thought that that was a bit of a hiccup last year. There were moments when he was spilling the ball, spilling easy balls, and he looks and he looks a different player. But that's that's what coaching, good coaching, does, and and also making a player feel confident about their abilities. Again. You know, it's agonising for people who follow the Ospreys to to see just that how how successfully the Scarlets coaching setup does that with 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 you know most players you know you've I know that you're a fan of McLeod's mm. and McLeod put in a real shift in the oh, I thought he really was, well. I thought he was fantastic on Friday. Is um I, I don't know if I dreamt this, but there was a point where I'm, I thought he turned the ball over with one hand, you know, and, and looked comfortable <laughs> at doing it. And I, I just think him and Boyd and um, uh, Elias. Don't, don't say, don't say you can't remember Aaron Shingler's name. I've, I'm having a tattoo done soon, I'm telling <laughs> you. He is a thing of beauty in every single way. I love him. He's <laughs> nice. There you go. He's, he's fantastic. And he's just, um, I think what he's done, he's done so well is... Um, you know, because he's he's been he's been there. He's what his whole, his whole career, and he's not a, you know, he's not a young player now. Well, he probably had his first international cap over five, probably six years ago. Um, yeah. But he's con- he's continued to kick on, and you know, there the players reach a point where you think, oh well, maybe maybe he wasn't as good as the initial potential showed. But the past twelve months, he's been absolutely fantastic, and you know, you look at the you look at the going into the autumn with um, with Warburton injured and. Um, you know, I think the plan probably would have been to play Warburton and Tipperick in in tandem. Um, you know, and that six shirt is is definitely up for grabs. And yeah. Shingler's an out and out six for me. He's he's a good line out option. He hits rucks. Oh, it's a hard. great line out. Um, yeah. He's he's still got that athletic ability. Well, he's got dog. You know, the, yeah. the, there aren't many players who've got the combination of of 
dog and and um, sleight of hand who are his his physical size. He's he's perfectly capable. You know, Moriarty was the, no denying the impact he had on you know positive impact on when he when he started for Wales. You know, uh, but Shingler is. I would be surprised if he didn't show his full range of you know ability playing in a in a Wales shirt. I'd be really surprised if somehow he didn't you know because he's been doing like you said it's total consistency mm-hmm. isn't it one hundred percent of the time he is um, he never fails to 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 put in a, a a good or a very very good performance for Scarlett. Yeah, I've been I've been massively impressed with him, you know, like for a for a while now. So he's he's I think again the the sleight of hand thing's really interesting because again I think if you were to look at him at the start of his career, you'd say he was athletic, he never lacked that dog, and you know again the line out thing. But the sleight of hand is definitely something that's that's been developed over that time. Mm. And again, there was a moment on Friday night where. Um, uh, he fed the fed the players on the blind. I can't remember who it was. It was Steph Steph Evans and um, and Scott Williams maybe. He put him down the outside. But again, that was that was the blindside flanker that set that going. So I think that element of his game he's um, he's really strengthened. And if you know if Gatland and Howley are serious about developing a a more expansive style of rugby or you know less one dimensional style of rugby, then they're going to have to have a look at these players. And and at the moment, if you're basing anything on club form, you the, the Welsh national side has got to be chock-a-block full of scarlets because there's a lot of Welsh talent there playing exceptionally well. Yeah, I agree. Did he, he, he played cricket to a decent yeah, standard, he did, didn't he? he? Yeah. I wouldn't so fancy, wouldn't want, I wouldn't fancy I exactly it. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, no chance. I'd yeah. be cowering behind 16 chess pads. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea how bad the number eleven batsman I am as well. I'd have been, I'd have been stood, I'd have been stood at the non-striker's end, running myself out, just to avoid, <laughs> yeah, just to avoid facing it over from him, because yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's some, some specimen, isn't he? Yeah. Just while, just while we finish on the Scarlets, though, I was keen to get your take on Lee Halfpenny. We've had a few chances to see him now. Obviously, there was the big transfer news of the summer in Wales. Had a few opportunities to see him. How do you how do you kind of assess his start at the Scarlets? Well, he's been Lee Halfpenny incarnate, really, in a way. I was, I did. I suppose it would be wrong to suddenly uh, anticipate that he'd find you know green space everywhere and to transform into another kind of player. But um, I, having said that, I am surprised how. Uh, whether it's a conservative mindset or whether he's whether it's something to do with residual injury that he doesn't feel he can stretch his legs anymore or he's still well he's spilt a couple of high balls but you know he's still fairly reliable and you, you know he'll always put his head where it hurts in terms of corner you know corner flag tackling mm. but I'm I'm but I it just does you can't help but it can't help but be surprised at the fact that um, that the coaching team at Scarlets have managed to um, have managed to kind of encourage every player to be very expressive and creative, and Halfpenny seems to <laughs> almost seems to be impervious to all of that. But he's only been there a short time. But it, there's been no line break, there's been no sense of searing pace joining the line or anything like that and it's just, you know, he's just a reliable soul who kicks his goals like a good one, but there's not a lot to say um, otherwise, unfortunately. Yeah, it's funny that you said Lee Halfpenny incarnate and I just feel like his career has been in, in kind of two halves because the Lee Halfpenny I remember kind of going back to the start of his career wasn't an unexciting player you know I remember him making making those fantastic breaks when he was playing for Cardiff Blues and in the early part of his Wales career you know he was a really quick player he wasn't afraid to to have a little dart when it was on and I, yeah I kind of find it strange I wonder whether it was that you know it was that injury prior to the World Cup that really you know that really kind of made a difference but or it's just been coached out of him but yeah, like I say, it's, it's still early doors, so I hope that 
there's going to be an opportunity for you know for Stephen Jones to really get the best out of him because at the moment he you know he's he yeah he's not showing any of that kind of um, any of that kind of exciting cutting edge stuff that that I think we really really want to see from him. If we if we you know go back to McNichol again and mention you know and say that he didn't look the finished mm. pa- package this time last year. I mean, I then I suddenly get very excited about the prospect of Lee Halfpenny next season, and then yeah. suddenly he's. But I, I just I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. But then I wouldn't have said the same about McNichol, and he is he's been marvellous. So let's hope Stephen manages to sprinkle some magic dust on him, and and that you know if it, it, it feels uh, you know uh, fifteen is still a bit of a sore point for Wales and I suppose Gatlin must feel that he doesn't have that he needs the security of Halfpenny at 15 because he doesn't because playing Liam at 15 for the Lions was easier because he was part of a team that had a, a, a better a, a more talented team I suppose in a way and so he'll he'll play more conservative Gatlin would play a more conservative um, role with Halfpenny at 15 in the autumn, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'm just still at a loss as to why they didn't try it a bit more, you know, particularly during the last autumn campaign when, you know, I, I don't think they had as much as much to lose there. And I don't know, Liam, Liam Williams is just a, he's a 15 for me because he doesn't, you know, he's good defensively, strong as anything. But those um, those breaks he does make, as we've seen, are devastating, and if we, you know, if we're paying lip service every single season to the fact that you know they need to be playing, need to be playing a more exciting game of rugby, or yeah, you don't win Test matches against Southern Hemisphere, hemisphere sides by kicking penalties, then you've actually got to make that change. Otherwise, it is just lip service. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I really like Lee Halfpenny. Um, but I just, I just think you know we need to see, we need to see more from him. I agree, but the, I wonder whether they think he's not sharp enough to play on the wing uh, and for Wales, and that he, um, you know, they want him in the team for his for his phenomenal kicking. I, yeah. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to know. Um, I always thought it was just a suspicion that Gatlin doesn't trust the Welsh. Sort of defence as much as he trusted the Lions' defence. Yeah, I, uh, and that's why he always picks him at fifteen. But it'll, it's, it's definitely. I mean, it's, it's. If you're not going to experiment now, but we how, every autumn we say this. <laughs> World Cup. Now is the time to experiment. Where do you find the next generation? Where do you? How do you? How do you? How do you? You know, you can't do it through luck. Every time you have to start looking for players and start playing, you know, irrespective of age or, or you have to start experimenting. And it has to, it has to be now as well. You know, the autumn is the opportunity to do it, and this is the, this is really the the last time. You're only two years out from a World Cup now, and I think this is you know this is now where he's going to start to see. Okay, I trust this. You know, I trust this player. He's definitely got got what it takes to be in and around the squad in a couple of years' time. You know, you've got to have that close look at them and, and see how they're going to get on at a test match level. And, I, you know, that's what I really hope. And to, to round up on the Scarlets, that's why I'd love to see players like Steph Evans get a choice. You know, I've said it a number of times. When Wales under Gatlin played their best rugby when Shane Williams was in the team, because you had that element of, um, of X factor, you know, the, the unexpected kind of would would try something different in order to to get over the game line than pure just just kind of pure smash so I'd love to see I'd love to see Steph Evans get a, an extended run in a, in a Wales shirt because he's been fantastic for Scarlets and he doesn't look like the sort of player who would be particularly phased um he also doesn't stick to his wing and he's not the traditional you know 
hanging out. He he he's a surprise package. He's not Shane. He's not Shane Two. He's not mm. anybody else. He's just Steph Evans, and that's that's a good thing because he's always going to have the element of surprise initially on an international stage. Anyway, uh, it's it's. I think you. It'd be, it's it was just. I can't. I, I will be. You know, baying at the moon as always. When if Keelan Jarzo and Steph Evans don't get a run out. Well, let's uh, yeah, let's just wrap up then by having a, a quick look ahead to the to the Derby game this weekend. Obviously, Scarlets go in kind of you would imagine as as heavy favourites, even though the game is at the Liberty. Can you see anything other than a Scarlets win in that one? Uh, not really, and not unless um, the conditions dictate how how the game goes. Don't think. The Ospreys forwards are anywhere near strong enough to compete with the Scarlets forwards anyway. Um, Rob Evans and players like that have been a revelation as well. Uh, Ken Owens looks in really sharp form. Uh, the, the second row takes care of itself, whoever plays there, and, and similarly with the back row. So I think the Scarlets win at a canter, and I think it might not be a bad thing for them to actually give them a hiding. If the Ospreys get a hiding, the, the, they might there might be some... I know that they keep on talking, but they're having harsh words with uh, good, honest exchanges with within the squad, you know. But it's... I'm not sure that, that anybody is... It seems that they're embattled, and, um, but I think that... And they, they probably are hurting, but there's a kind of sense of... And that they're not really grasping the reality of the situation. Uh, and I, I, I don't blame the players. I just blame the people around them, really. This, the coaching structure and maybe the management of the, of the region. Well, yeah, again, I guess the, the point to finish on is if that is a, if that is a loss, as you, as you say, for the Ospreys, is it going to trigger a change in the management? Because this is, you know, this is a coach who's only relatively recently signed an extension. So, you know, you wonder whether anything would anything would change. I, I don't think it would change overnight, but I think that you have to start looking at a succession at the end of the season. That I, you have to, or at some point, you just have to start looking for what's what's next, rather than expecting or even hoping to that 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 things will change. I just. The, whatever will change, they might. There's not a lot lower they can go, but uh, uh, I think uh, well, there is, and that. The, but the, I, I'm the, telling you, the, the Dragons hiding, fan, there is. There definitely yeah, I'm is. Sorry, I was. I just suddenly realised who I was talking to, and I went, <laughs> what, "What am I on about?" So I'm like an Arsenal fan all of a sudden, and um, yeah, but uh, it's the yeah, the, the hiding at the hands of of uh, of uh, a vastly superior. Scarlet's um, set up on all fronts, team, coaching, management, seems to be, uh, will be something that people won't forget in a hurry. Whereas I think they can, they go, oh, well, Zebra beat Elster. You know, there there are plenty of, there are plenty of uh, excuses to be had, uh, I think, and, and platitudes to be said in press conferences. Uh, and things will things things won't change. I'm not I'm not fa- I'm not in favour of saying right, you know, clear your desk, you're out of here. Just say you know that this is this is. Uh, if I was if I was part of the organisation, I'd be looking at a, a plan that 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 would have to come into action at the end of the season, probably. Yeah, well, it does feel like the stakes are uh, are even higher, and uh, the stakes are. Are normally pretty high when it comes to to West Wales derbies, anyway. So uh, yeah, we'll um, we'll look forward to the to the fixture. Um, and yeah, it's been great chatting to you, Justin. Thanks, Jed. It's been brilliant. Cheers, mate. The thoughts of Justin George there. Always great to catch up with Justin. Coming up in part two, our attentions will turn to the two pro sides in East Wales. But before we head over there, it's time for team of the week with our friends at Edraig the Welsh Sports website. This week on adrag.co.uk, there's not just rugby, but there's also an interesting article on ice hockey team Cardiff Devils. 
uh, on their 30th anniversary. Plenty of football there too, uh, especially important in a week that sees uh, the Welsh national side take on Georgia, a crucial World Cup qualifier. So if you need something to fill the time uh, until that rolls around on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, uh, make sure you head over to drive.co.uk for your fill of Welsh sports. Now on with the team of the week, which yeah, particularly uh, particularly interesting this week. I suppose I would say that, seeing as the the Dragons got a win. But uh, yeah, a few um, uh, a few interesting uh, interesting selections there, and uh, I'm going to start by just running through the team, and then we're going to be picking the attacking scrums star man from the week also. So the side uh, that have been picked by Craig over at Adraig, uh, Lee Halfpenny at fullback. It's quite an interesting one. This, as you as you've just heard us chatting there with with Yestin, I'm not overly sure that um, that he's hit his straps yet. You know, I, I love Lee Halfpenny when he's at his best, but I really I don't think he's got he's got back to that yet. But again, maybe we're, maybe we're being just a little bit too harsh on Halfpenny uh, in his in his early days. But going to be interesting to see how he goes. Um, Probably is a little bit harsh considering he scored one try and uh, his defensive positioning was was fantastic. So I don't know. Maybe the expectations are just that bit higher when it comes to when it comes to Halfpenny. But I'd have been tempted to go with uh, with Carl Meyer on there. Ashton Hewitt, I thought he was, he was fantastic. Real shame to see him uh, go off with a knock, which we'll talk about uh, in part two when I catch up with with Brad Hayward. But another great performance from Ashton. Uh, Jonathan Davis just in sparkling, frightening form uh, at the moment. So hope he can stay fit and uh, carry that on when it comes to a, a red shirt of Wales as well. Jack Dixon partnered alongside him in the in the centre. He's just uh, started the season really well, actually, and he's such a solid, hard centre. I think he's been a real good addition to the to the Dragons side and. He just gives that bit of go forward. So yeah, certainly no uh, no objections from me on seeing him in there. Steph Evans on the on the left wing, just you know, awesome form at the moment, and just one of those players you get so excited about watching every time he gets he gets near the ball. So um, yeah, again, no no complaints there. Gavin Henson at ten, uh, really a, an absolute renaissance in his career, moving to the Dragons. He's just looked like a real steady hand and making a, a really big difference to, to those players. And, you know, you saw it with the likes of Jack Dixon on on Saturday night, just what he's able to do and the, the time that he gives his centres outside him. So very, uh, very good performance from Henson. Ali Davis is what the, the boys have gone for at, at Scrum Half. I thought he did well. You know, again, he's a, he's a good player and came into the side instead of uh, Gareth Davis, who obviously picked up that uh, that nasty knock to the head the week before. Personally, I think I'd have probably gone for for Thomas Williams. wasn't a huge amount to shout for 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 Cardiff Blues fans and players this week, but you know I thought he gave a really good account of himself. I thought his kicking game was good, and he always looked lively. Made some really nice breaks, so I'd have gone for Thomas Williams there. Brock Harris and Werner Creer, the two props, again very kind of um, very solid performances from both of those guys. I think Brock Harris did a lot, not just in the scrum, but got his hands on the ball loads and uh yeah Korea stepped in to to do a really good really good job at, at tightening that that scarlet scrum which you know he's just has become such a such a kind of cornerstone of their success over the last year Hercules Elliot D uh, you know again what a brilliant performance from him uh two tries man of the match and you know he's a guy who just seems to go from from strength to strength you know, off the back of a, a couple of seasons, disappointed with injury, so brilliant, um, uh, brilliant to to see him in the in the starting lineup. Tempting to go for Scott Baldwin, of course, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, Scott only managed to only managed to get close to a lion rather than actually getting close to the cheaters this weekend. But can't see him living down down that one anytime soon. Jake Ball and Corey Hill in the in the engine room, really good performances from both of them. Um, as brilliant as Jake Ball was, I, I kind of can't ignore that that chance that he spurned over at the end. So I'm just going to go for Tyke Byrne, who seems to be top of my man crush list at the moment. Who came off the you know came off the bench and made a massive difference for the for the Scarlets. He really is some incredible player. 
Aaron Chingler, as we've said uh, earlier on when I was chatting with Yestin, just continues to go from strength to strength. Ollie Griffiths at the Dragons, again, brilliant, um, uh, brilliant performance from him. You know, he just makes life so difficult for the opposition, always slowing ball down. And James Benjamin at eight. Um, I think I'd have probably gone for Josh McLeod there, which uh, I mentioned in the, the chat with Yestin, just a awesome performance from him at the breakdown I thought so that's our thoughts on it or my thoughts rather no one no one here to join me to to come up with that so feel free to to let us know your thoughts which you can do at uh, at attacking scrum on twitter or you can let us know on facebook um and as always as we say make sure you head over to a drive.co.uk to have a little look uh, for yourself and to see the boys thoughts on that as for the star man out of all of those players, who am I going to pick? It's a, it is difficult this week because there's lots of good performances in there. But what the hell? I'm going to go for the friend of the podcast, uh, and that's uh, that's Elliot D, who we uh, we had on uh, a couple of months ago. I'd say just delighted for him, and um, you know, three tries in a in in kind of two games at home uh, for him lately, and I think that's testament to to. The areas that the dragons have, have tightened up on, you know that that really kind of functional, effective driving line out that he's he's kind of mastered at the back of, and he's doing such a good job in the loose as well. So yeah, chuff for chuff for Elliot D. So he's this week's uh, this week's star. Coming up in part two, I chat to Brad Hayward, who was there firsthand to experience that dragons win on Saturday night, and I also chat for the first time this year to the mighty Murph. Uh, had a really interesting chat with him. And we discussed the latest comings and goings at the Cardiff Blues ahead of that derby between the two sides next week. And we also had a look at some of the players who are playing outside of Wales, uh, specifically in England. Murph always keeps a close eye on uh, the Aviva Premiership. So he's getting his opinion on uh, some of those players who've impressed and uh, making their mark uh, on the other side of the Seven Bridge. So make sure you uh, tune in and have a little listen to that now, and we'll speak to you very, very shortly. Sports Social Podcast Network.